Welcome to NBNR, the authority on unfiltered opinions and authentic player insight for Nebraska athletics. Connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and at nbnrpodcast.com. We have a saying, no block, no rock. You know, we just really love Otter. He's a junkyard dog. Hey, Kenny Bell ran up to me. He's like, you know what you just, what you just did? <laughs> you get mad. You went to go get in the portal and go to another podcast? You know, usually dumbbells are in pairs. They had five dumbbells. Hey, <laughs> gone it, Muhammad. GBR. Go Big Red, indeed. No block, no rock. Season 2, episode 29. Coming at you from the Nebraska Brewing Company tap room once again. This is our home base. This is our home base. This is where we feel most comfortable. We feel in our element. And we just got to watch a showdown on uh, NBA <laughs> Jam between Connor and someone that we're going to mention next week. Jabron. J- yeah, Jabroni. Jabron. Yeah, well, he was a Jabroni in that game. Yeah. Shout out, Jabroni. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're at the Nebraska Brewing Company tap room where we love to be. And we're all sipping on the, our favorite beer. But we are going to talk about something new as well. But we are all sipping on our favorite beer. No Bach, no Rock. If you haven't been here, go give it a try. It's an excellent Bach-style beer. Caramel flavor. It's over here in La Vista, Nebraska. And I mean, I, if you guys follow us on our social media pages, which you should all be doing, we've had a couple of listeners come in here and tag us and stuff. So it, you know, get selfies. it before it's gone. Yeah, selfies? selfies this weekend. Behind yeah. the bar, tell, man. Yeah, like, yeah, tell the them, bar. Connor. It was tell, them, tell them about I, what you saw. I, I was telling these guys this morning, uh, or this afternoon rather, that uh, this weekend I, I got to walk into the tap room and I, I saw a man that I, I did not recognize behind our bar <laughs> taking a picture. And I was very confused. So I started to walk to him. And then I noticed that he was wearing a no block, no rock shirt. Of course, I had to let him do it. And I, I asked him, I was like, well, which one do you know? And he said, Jared Hall. And I, of course, I apologized. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Strange man. Yeah, he, I, I apologized to him for having to know Jared. But I uh, was a great dude. I enjoyed the beer. And I, I'll tell you what, it's a fan favorite. It is available for just a limited time. So please get in here and get some of that beer while you still can. Yeah. Support the podcast. Support the brewery. Everybody wins. Yeah, and like after we, we got done drinking the Bach, Mike's a big fan of the Seltzer game. So, Connor, just real quick. We're drinking, it's P-O-G. The Pog Seltzer. The Pog. Yeah. Okay, so just tell our listeners a little bit more about that. So the Pog Seltzer is one of our seasonal seltzers, if you can call it a seasonal. It comes around fairly frequently, but it is a pineapple orange guava. It is uh, among one of our favorite seasonal seltzers, along with the Tiger's Blood that I know you guys enjoyed while it was still on here. Mm -hmm. But the Pog, we just got back on. It's a fresh batch, and I bet we have that for another few weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on the Pog. I need I need to change up. It's a Monday. Yeah. I need to change up. Yeah. He threw this pog at me, and I fucking love it. So the pod is for the pog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we're I all about the pog. You know, they're gonna probably rename it pod here soon. But hey, you know what? We, we don't want to put that ball in their court. It, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like you already have. <laughs> <laughs> that ball is there, and it's just got to pick it up. Yeah, you put know, it in the hoop, baby. Who who wouldn't want a beer sponsored by a podcast and a seltzer spot? We got. Best of both worlds. You can't lose. You can't, you can't lose. lose. So Connor knows the people. We'll make that happen. Maybe. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Before we get too in the weeds with spring storylines for Nebraska football, we just want to give a shout out to Dylan Utter's event that he held this past weekend called Play It Forward. We attended. It was at Mockingbird Lanes. Uh, we, we bowled. I sucked personally. 
I have but, the best form, so okay, fuck y'all. Fuck all y'all. Okay, so on that, actually, I have a screenshot. I posted that a little too early. I actually won the poll. And I also rigged. I also oh. had the best scores the whole day. So don't oh. which is what counts, honestly. No, you know what? You know what counts is the fact that we raised money for Dylan Utter and his scholarship event. We hung out with some of our former guests. We hung out with some players that we haven't had on yet. Maybe we'll have them on for you guys. Great event. Yeah. Dylan's an awesome guy. Just loves, you know, he's an LV guy through and through. Indeed. And uh, just just loves to donate some scholarships and do an event to just give some uh, Papio kids some opportunities. <laughs> it was great to reconnect and help our fellow LVers be successful students and be successful people in the community. Absolutely. Be, you know, not just heathens running around. LV, <laughs> just right? like you, like right? me. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to Dylan Utter. He will be coming back on our pod very soon. He better be. Well, he he'll definitely be very soon. But yeah, Dylan, thanks again, man. And uh, yeah, let's go to the, the the stories of the day. Okay. Now, Mike, this is like your big thing here. This whole <laughs> Will Smith smacking oh, Chris Rock with an open hand. Not a punch, by the way. Not a punch. And little did you guys know we're turning into a, U- a UFC podcast now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Saturday night, Jared Hall takes on <laughs> Kyle Byers with his Taco Vesa. Taco Vesa? Taco Vesa. Taco Vesa. I got my permanent record. Nah, so, you know, apparently Academy Awards, just real quick, Chris Rock tries to do comedian things and tells a joke. And Will Smith laughs at it and then looks at his wife and says, Oh, I can't not I can't find this funny. I must do something for my own pride and for her pride. What would Tupac do? <laughs> Tupac <laughs> not <too>. that. <laughs> I have a feeling so, he goes a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he rushes the stage and open slaps Chris Rock in the face. Um some yeah. expletives follow. Yeah. You keep my wife's name out your mouth. This is a podcast. You keep my wife's name out of your fucking fucking mouth. (laughs) Twice. Thank you very much. Well, and here, like, this could be the first question, I guess. I don't think it was staged, but there might be some people on this table that think it was staged. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. I I think the only reason I could maybe call it staged was, like, the Academy Awards, obviously, were becoming culturally a little bit irrelevant up until, you know, this year. Uh, and how do you revive that? You have Will Smith, and I think Chris Rock's exact words were, smack the shit out of Chris Rock. And immediately, like, Twitter explodes. We get the greatest memes we've seen in I don't know how long. So I, I think there is a case to, be, to say that it could have been fake, but I think watching the, t- the tape over and over, um, I think it, it has to be real. And if it went to a real fight, I have Will Smith in three by submission. Okay. Yeah, I got <laughs> you. You think he's gonna submit him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think takes uh, him to the ground. Will Smith's a wrestler. Okay. I think everybody's seen. Everybody hates Chris, right? Yeah. Everybody hates Chris. You know, maybe he's more Which? scrappy than he was in the TV show. But <laughs> so, you know, the way that Will slapped, and I, I love Will Smith. I've watched all of Fresh Prince. I'm watching his new show that he's actually a director of called Bel Air. I'll tell you, he left some Fresh Prince on Chris Rock's face. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, I'm pro Will Smith, but he was totally in the wrong here. And it was not staged. No. If it was staged, I don't think you'd get F-bombs on national television. Right. Uh, One thing 
that we, we, we need to take out of this because we all had this fun where we talked about what head coach would you like to smack the most? And for some reason, we all said PJ Fleck. Fleck. That's right? such an easy answer. It's easy every time. So anyways. Gets a, he gets his own sitcom now, just yeah. like Chris Rock did. Yeah, PJ Fleck, <laughs> Scott everybody Frost. Everybody hates PJ. Yeah, everybody hates PJ. But anyways, <laughs> let's talk about this. This is what everybody's come. They, they've came here to listen to. Mm. Jawan Howard. The tale oh. of the tape. Versus Will Smith. Dun, dun, dun. Who takes the cake? Do we, have okay. a, do we have a sports science segment on this coming up on sports ESPN? Science. <laughs> yeah. Is this is this in the works? <laughs> What's the, the slap force from Will Smith yeah. and Juwan Howard? The compared? face rattle. Yeah. How much face face the, rattle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I've got yeah, I've got Will Smith taking Juwan Howard all day long. The slap was so much more powerful by Will Smith than it was, and the form was better. Yeah. For, there was for a sure. follow through and like yeah. a solid base. It so, was su- fundamentally sound slap. I, oh, I think I'm taking Jawan. But. As so, I think as a person, we have to look at this in a couple different aspects. I think, in, as far as you know, physical fitness goes, I do take Juwan Howard, but I do give give Will Smith the edge because it, it seems like he's actually a little bit mentally unstable, and I think he's ready to do whatever he plays needs into to his do. favor. Yeah, and so I, I'm going to take Will Smith <laughs> minus one ten. Okay, like, I, I think that's I think that's the easy bet. Sure, I'm taking Juwan all day. He's do you bigger. like an underdog. Uh, he's not the underdog. Oh, I don't know. I, I think Jawan would fuck Will up. And and like I said, I'm a Will Smith guy. But my boy Jawan, who is not my boy. <laughs> my boy Jawan. He's not my boy. He's not my boy. Uh, I'm telling Fred. Yeah, well, <laughs> he wins more than Fred. Anyways, Jawan would the kick the shit <laughs> out of Will Smith. Because Jawan was like ready to throw hands. If he didn't have all those players and assistants trying to pull him back... I mean, because that's he, fair. He held him. He held composure on national television, for the most part, <laughs> as he slaps another man, <laughs> like grabs and his face. Yeah, it was like and a weird, like it was a weird thing. Face grab, yeah. slap. So thing. I'm taking Jawan. Okay, and it'd be like minus one fifty. Minus one fifty. Yes. Oh, yeah. He, Vegas is just drooling right yeah. now ready to take your money it's fun that we're dropping all these like odds and stuff because we have some cool stuff that we're gonna talk <laughs> about next week yeah i'm not gonna put any number on it but just re-watching last night i mean chris rock i mean he stood there and i think he was expecting will smith to like say something to him yeah he like but leans in as he, he leans like, in a little giving bit giving him an ear but then you know he gets the slap to the face but he didn't stumble he didn't. Need, I think he had his hands in his pocket the whole time. Yeah, behind Chris his back. Chris Rock has an he iron had jaw. He an had iron it. jaw. So oh, yeah. this whole Jawan. Jawan would fuck him up. He, he might. He might. You know, uh, he played Muhammad Ali in a movie in 2005. Psst, that's long ago, man. <laughs> long that's enough. A good point. Long ago. This ain't no movie set anymore. Like, so yeah, Jawan. He's but, got the face grab thing too. Like his hands are probably really big. Yeah, he can yes, palm man. a basketball. You think Will yeah. Smith can palm a basketball? I saw him in Fresh Prince of Bel Air, <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw a tweet the other, or I guess yesterday. I was like, this is exactly why he got sent to Bel Air in the first place. He got in one little fight, Seriously. and now the entire Listen, nation man, is talking about it. For for all our listeners out there that aren't on Twitter, this is probably the one thing in our in our pop culture atmosphere and the not not just america but the world where if you're on twitter you saw endless joke after joke after joke after joke and they all hit like 
I can't remember a bad joke about this thing. And I was liking, retweeting. Mm-hmm. Constantly. It, it was just a constant, every time I scrolled. My, my, I think Mike I found so one. Another right one. Now, yeah. My favorite one. My wife recorded me today because I was oh, in boy. tears. She said, the pursuit of slappiness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So enough of Will Smith. Please. We, we've talked enough about Will and Jawan, our boy Jawan. He's back again. Let's talk some more dysfunction, yeah. I guess, right? Um, kind of. Kind of. Yeah, that's that's the way to put it. Yeah. Um, Xavier Betts, a former four-star wide receiver out of Bellevue West. Top 100 recruit. Yeah, out of Bellevue West High School. Not with the program anymore. And if you ask certain people that are connected with the program, you would speculate that his heart doesn't seem to be in it. Right. He doesn't, you know, this is D1 college football. If you aren't ready to go every day, it can eat you up. And it's kind of sounds like that's what happened. You guys, what are your takes on this situation? How do you foresee this affecting Nebraska football in terms of its roster and the wide receiver room? Like, what are you thinking right now? So last year we got the the little tidbits from Xavier himself, and he's talking about like I you know this spring I wasn't really doing what I was supposed to be doing, and he told us that himself. And then this year you have a wide receiver room that's completely stacked, right? You've got a lot of new guys coming in that are, are really talented. Um, you've got some guys coming back that are really talented that did some good things last year, and then a couple like two or three weeks ago, Mickey Joseph comes out and says, "Look." You're playing for roster spots. You're practicing for roster spots. You're fighting for it. If you don't want to fight for that, then I don't need you to play here. Simple as that. And nobody could put two and two together up until Hmm. after spring break, Xavier's like, yo, I'm not coming back. And it's like, okay, so things kind of make sense. It's nothing. I'm not surprised by the him not coming back. If it's something that, look, there's other things outside of football. If you feel like, you know, your life can be enriched by not going to these five o'clock workouts and going going to class going every to day class and going to do all this crazy shit that these athletes have to go through mm-hmm. then by all means like do what you feel is better for you but yeah at the end of the day i, I really wasn't that shocked to to piggyback on that I, a i i think you know if this is best for xavier props to him for recognizing it and not wasting the program's time just getting to do what he really wants to do if, if football isn't it that's great but we talked about a little bit before we started recording um, another example, uh, sort of on the reverse end with Decoldis Crawford, where he was sent back to, uh, you know, I, I think the words they used were to mature a little bit. Yeah. No, go back uh, to his yeah. mom. Go back to his mom. Yeah. yeah go back to his mom. And yeah. so I guess my question to you guys is, do we see that as beneficial? Do we see that as maybe kind of a red flag that Decoldis isn't ready to come play here and may not come play here? I think Decoldis will be here in the, in the fall. I'm not too worried about him. If we want to stick on Xavier, we shared a video from Damon Benning and Gary Sharp, and he talked about Damon is very close with Xavier and his family and everything else. And so we're we're not going to beat on the kid. We're not going to beat on Scott Frost. We're not beating on any of this stuff. This isn't like a new thing. So let me let me start there. This isn't a new thing. Xavier hasn't always loved football. He surrounds himself with people who aren't into sports. And Xavier wants to be recognized as Xavier. He doesn't want to be recognized as Xavier, the football player. Yep. When you're a head coach at a Power 5 conference, especially one in Nebraska, you have to recognize your players as football players. I'm sorry. He, he has a personal relationship with a lot of these players, but mm. 
you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. And Xavier, if he's not all in, then Scott Frost cannot, he can't get extra treatment. He's been burned by doing that with Maurice Washington mm -hmm. and J.D. Spielman. And I mean, we the list goes on. There's these little, we'll, we'll call them locker room cancers and stuff. Scott Frost, he, he did it. And I'm sure it's Mickey helping with that situation. But nipping in the butt, not making it a distraction, and just, and just saying, hey, you know, if you're not in, then you're no longer with the team. And, and, and keeping that simple. He can do that now because we have more talent in this room than we've ever had under this this Frost staff. So, like I said, we're not slandering Xavier. If he's not interested in playing football anymore, it's great. Now, if he decides later on that he wants to go play football, I don't know if Scott Frost is going to sign that release form. Uh, Mickey Joseph won't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I think the big takeaway from this is Mickey Joseph ain't about that bullshit. Right. A hundred percent. He comes in and like Kyle just said, if you're not progressing, if you don't like the game of football, I will find someone else that does, and I I can't make you love the game of football. Exactly. So I'm not going to babysit you. I'm not going to hold your hand. So, yeah, I, I think the big takeaway from this is Mickey Joseph is in town, and he isn't one that you want to fuck with, basically. Yeah. And and I'm not saying like Xavier like tried to fuck with him, but you you've heard reports about like Omar kind of testing the waters a little bit. And Mickey said, okay, try your luck elsewhere. And that seems to have resonated. I'm not in the program. I am not watching practices, so I can't say for sure. This is just things I hear. Um, but yeah, Mickey Joseph is the sheriff in town. And Mike brought up that Maurice Washington was the first noteworthy example of a guy who was infinitely talented, but mature wise, he took up too much of the coaching staff's energy. And a question that we ask ourselves all the time, where do you draw the line? Mickey Joseph is drawing the line. And if you are crossing the line bye. right. Well, and there's a reason that he has that extra title. He's not just a wide receivers coach. He is the associate head coach at the University of Nebraska. Yeah. And this has his fingerprints written all over it. Mm -hmm. We feel for Xavier Betts, but like we've said in the past, if you're not in, get the fuck out. And and it's not it's not any slander on the kid. Not at all. But if you're not all in, you're not worth Scott Frost's time. You're not worth especially our time. So let's move on to it's spring ball, Kool-Aid season's flowing. What are some things that we can talk about? I want to get an offensive line, but like you're, you've been hearing, uh, Riola, mm -hmm. they're oh yeah, they're exploding off the ball now. Boom! The previous staff <laughs> with Greg Austin, Here apparently we they weren't doing that at all. Here we go again. <laughs> oh boy, the previous staff, the so, previous like, regime. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, I am not the one bringing up the previous staff. Scott Frost did that himself, and so. At what point is it, hey, Scott, you knew that Coach Austin didn't have his line firing off the ball before, so why did it take four years, and you bringing him from UCF, by the way, why did it take four years for you to recognize it and make a change finally? Does it feel a little bit like scapegoating to, to kind of force that in that, uh, in that context? Uh, again, like you said, it was four years. You brought him with you. 
Uh, so if you knew this issue was there, why wouldn't you have fixed it sooner? And because especially in a year where we have this restructured contract, why, why start shifting blame now? Well, okay. So I can speak to the loyalty of Scott Frost. Okay, you have a very successful season at UCF. You bring that staff here. And then, you know, you have two offensive coordinators through that time. And he keeps bringing dudes that he knows, that he, he trusts, that he right. thinks that they understand the offense and everything like that. Same thing goes for the offensive line, Greg Austin. He was successful at UCF. He brings it in. And I think that speaks to the inexperience that Scott Frost has, like, at this level, right? So my personal take on the offensive line and, like, get, bringing in this whole new staff is I think we're starting to finally see Scott Frost realize, like, okay, I, I need help. I can't just keep going to my buddy buddies. I can't just keep pulling in people that I know. I need help. So what does he do? He goes to Mark Whipple. And he's like, yo, like, what the fuck do we need to do to succeed around here? So Mark Whipple, you know, I don't know if he had any connection to, uh, to Riola coming here and, and coaching the offensive line. But like we've said, outside of Eric Shenander, <laughs> you get rid of everybody because it's like I, I obviously didn't really know like what I was doing, bringing everybody here and the experience that they had. Well, and we've talked about that. You look at that offensive staff and name one name in that staff besides Matt Lubick that is qualified to be a power five assistant. There was nobody. And yes, they, it, was, it was successful in the group of five conference and the American, and it worked, AAC, right? Yeah. AAC, it worked, okay? But this is Big Ten football. This is power mouth football. I don't know what concepts you can teach if you're not exploding up the ball as an offensive line. I'm still confused. Well, no, and here's, here's what I've been hearing is that wasn't the principles being taught because the linemen that they had weren't as talented. So if you're firing off the ball, you're more than likely to be beat off the line. Whereas if you're kind of falling back, you're Catching allowing the, the D, a more talented D-line, D-lineman to, like you're meeting him where he's at instead of you taking the initiative and getting beat off the block. That's group of five speak though. You're yeah. in the fucking Big Ten. You attend these coaching conferences, or you should be. You like it's it's a copycat league. To me, that is just a terrible excuse because football in general is a copycat sport, right? Sure. You you run the Wildcat. Somebody else will be running the Wildcat two weeks later. You know, the fact that we haven't adjusted in four years on the offensive line is just pathetic. And I'm glad that we finally made the changes. Is it a little too late? Who knows? But I'm glad Scott Frost is finally being that CEO type of guy. So with this offensive line change that we're talking about, I obviously I have high hopes for Riola. Uh, I, I want the success that I think we all want. But how much do you guys believe the Riola hire plays into kind of this long-term recruiting measure for Dylan Riola, mm. who I believe is a four or five star, maybe five star. No, just yeah, got a five, five star. Yeah. Five star quarterback recruit. How much do you guys feel like that plays into the Husker hiring process for Riola? And does it make a difference for his recruiting process in like your opinion? If his last name was Riola, he would not be here. Yes. And that, is, that isn't to say he's a bad coach. Not at all. Just saying if his last name was Cavillac, hey. he would probably still be an analyst with the Bears. Yeah, or the he would have gotten fired. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or he would have gotten fired and he would have went to 
the New York Jets <laughs> to yeah. be a, an analyst. But uh, yeah, I think being a Riola is a big reason why he's here. But and and it sounds like right as of right now, I think what twenty four seven Sports has him going to USC. Yes, with Lincoln. With I, I mean, obviously, like you, you know, you, you've got a five star rating, and it's, you're not totally looking at Nebraska, right? Because how many? And I asked this in our like our group chat the other day. How many five stars do we have in the last ten years? One maybe. Yeah, Baker and he was yeah Lincoln Southwest product. Yes. So Baker. it's like it you know it's like that can only help our chances, but. That doesn't it's help. Not, our it's not. Yeah, it's not really like. I don't think it's a huge element. That's like the opposite of helping our chances because we're not a school that brings in five stars. So five stars don't want to come here. Usually, five stars like to team up with team up with other other five stars, mm-hmm. and they make this thing called a really good football team. So yeah, and I I've heard of this thing called the playoffs. Does anyone know what those are like? Yeah, those are full of five stars unless you're Cincinnati, oh. I guess. Oh, okay. But <laughs> but it's one of those things. Dylan Rayola, we have a slim. I'll take Slim it. and and everybody who's listening, like I said, we're going to limit expectations. We have a slim chance at landing the nephew of our offensive line coach. Right. Anybody who thinks that he's coming here because Donovan is here, that is not the case. Mike Delaware but- confirmed saying Dylan <laughs> Riola is coming here 100%. You just heard him say it. No. Now, can I ask you, Mike, because you're saying this, and I'm not saying I disagree, but is there a a threshold that if Nebraska were to either meet it or surpass it, that would convince Mr. Dylan Riola to attend Nebraska? I don't think so, though. I, I just, in my opinion, here's the thing. We just recruited Casey Thompson. He's got two years left, okay? Behind that, right. we have Chubba Purdy. He's got four years left. Four. The guys behind him, you have Logan Smothers, who also still has four years left. You have Har- or Heinrich Harburg, who also has four years left. You're yeah. looking at this quarterback room, and obviously none of these guys are five-star quarterback. You have a very inexperienced quarterback room. So it's not like he's walking in and he's like, I'm, I'm an automatic starter. And I'm, I'm not saying that other programs don't have loaded quarterback rooms and all that other stuff, but if you're being handpicked by Lincoln Riley, that says something, and you're probably going to... Take and, the benefit well, of Lincoln I mean, Riley. There's a track record there. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I think Lincoln Riley, as right. we've shown, is very loyal to his players and his program. So yeah. why wouldn't you get him? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to the to the offensive line stuff coming off the ball. I mean, you could see it last year. Those guys, they I mean, what what Scott Frost and company are, are telling us right now, it sounds right. Looking at the offensive play last year and then imagining what it looks like when they're moving forward instead of just standing in place and then moving in, moving forward. Because that's ultimately what they're talking about. So the difference there could be huge. So, I mean, I'm excited by them telling us that. But again, it, they're just telling us that. Yeah, and I'm, I was also going to ask you guys, is this the, just pre-spring football speak? Yes, where any, any new staff that comes in, Everything they do is better than the old staff. They're, they're always they're the flawless. They're fixing the old flaws. Is that what what we're seeing here? Is that what it is? And that's what you'd hope to hear. That's <laughs> yeah. what you'd hope to hear. Like, why get rid of them if they're not going to change things? I don't want to hear an announcement that's like, oh yeah, everything is fucked. <laughs> Lower your standards. It's all boy. the same. Yeah. Three and nine. I, I don't try three hear, and nine yeah. again. I would pray, like, even if that was the case, just lie to me. I will take it. <laughs> 
That's what Nebraska fans need. My yes. thing is, is that In has March. the Scott Frost stamp on it. He loves to slander old staff and old business and old relationships. But don't you see when he slanders old staff, and I know slander is a strong word because it's not like you came out and said Greg Austin was shit. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. But isn't he in essence slandering himself because yes, you waited four years? Like if you recognize this after two years, why couldn't you recognize it and make the change? Yeah, why did it take you four years to fix it? Right. Yeah. And I mean, the big question with that kind of thing is like, okay, so if you're the head coach, why aren't you correcting it? But the problem is, is that when you've got a special teams that is basically giving away games, Scott Frost is worried about the offense. He's worried about the special teams. He's worried about the offensive line. He's worried. And he really doesn't have to worry about the defense all that much. Right. But the whole goal and everything that we've been talking about is turning Scott Frost into a CEO and letting him trust his assistants to do the right thing. So yes, it is on Scott Frost. You're the head coach. You should be able to make those adjustments and tell Greg Austin, put him in his place, be like, yo, this is wrong. What all can you do? You can't focus on everything. You know what I mean? And that's the whole goal in hiring all these experienced assistants like Mickey Joseph and Whipple and everybody that's on board now is you don't have to do that. Right. But he gets paid to do that and make all those decisions. And he is the highest paid employee in the state of Nebraska for a reason. So I, I understand it's like, oh, you know, don't put all the blame on the head coach. But yes, it, he is... <laughs> He is the point of person that you have to blame. Right, right. Absolutely. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that I I don't I that I'm not blaming Scott Frost. But what I am saying is that when you have so much to focus on, there's you can't spend all your attention on the offensive line when your special teams is giving up games. Well, sure. he didn't focus on special teams at all. We we saw that. So But that but did you see what I'm saying yeah. though? Is you've got three broken areas of your football program and it, what do you focus on more, right? So it's like, do you just trust the guy that you brought here and you've been riding with for four years plus? Um, that's a great question. And that just has me thinking, why is he coming out and like saying this at all? And of course, with context, I don't know if he was asked a direct question about Greg Austin and his philosophy. I don't know. But then this is just another case where why couldn't you just say the offensive line I don't. I don't even know how you'd word it, and that's why I'm not being paid millions of dollars to word it. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's even, like, why do you have to? If it just feels like you're throwing it under the bus, throwing it's scapegoating. Austin, it's it, scapegoating. Yeah, it's like blaming other dudes for things for four. You brought him from UCF, by the way. So yeah, w were you guys doing the same thing at UCF? If so, why couldn't you recognize within the first two years or three? Yeah, that it wasn't working. It's just. The way that he words things, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. All I, I can say is Scott Frost is loyal. He brought those guys all here. He trusted them to do their job. Maybe they weren't ready for that kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it played out that way. So, I will as say, you can see with the whole offensive staff being gone. Yeah. Right. I will say, and, and it's great timing, uh, talking about offensive staff, but there was one assistant that, you know, maybe didn't succeed in their, their current role or their, you know, former role now that I thought maybe should have been left on the staff in some capacity. And that was Mario Verduzco. And I don't, I'm not saying that as a QB coach. I just thought that he was the coolest motherfucker to ever live. And I just wanted his smoke I, yeah, and mirrors. I just wanted his sunglasses and cigars on the sideline. I, I'm willing to pay him a couple hundred thousand a year just to look cool on the sideline. You're he doesn't the, have to do anything with the team. You're the only person that thinks that. Mario Verduzco is the coolest looking no, no, dude that has ever lived. If this was still <laughs> early 2018, 
we would all be saying the same exact thing. Oh, no, Verdusco's a cool cat. He is. Like, he's different, right? Oh, he no, makes he's his quarterback study. He's a terrible QB coach. <laughs> I just want him on the sideline just to smoke cigars and look cool. I do, it's like a turnover I, chain, right? Like, you get a turnover, and Mario Verdusco just hands you a cigar. Get out. Like, <laughs> I, I still remember, like, one of his, like, Big Ten interviews, and he was showing everyone, like, all his books that he makes his quarterbacks read. They're like a thousand pages. Yeah. And we were eating it up. Yeah. Oh, he's a genius. Speak no, for dude, dude's honestly, and I, oh, Mario, if come you're listening, on. and I hope you are, you're a loser. But you're part you of the do 97. Look very cool. Yeah. You're part of the 97%. Yeah. yeah come would, on, absolutely. Mike. No. Mario, no? honestly, might have been the, <laughs> one of the worst and underqualified coaches on the staff. Hey, oh, he's terrible. Hey, do, you, do, you, do you see the strain? Do you see it? Yes. The, the Diaco strain? Yeah. So his name's Verdusco. It went from one <laughs> Italian to another. Right. <laughs> and it takes an Italian like yourself to see that. Yes, yeah. you're welcome. Everybody. You just got cultured. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> okay, let's <laughs> shift to something completely different. Spring storyline that we can talk about is this issue with Thomas Fedoni. Now, things are kind of under wraps still, but I think we can make little connections. Read and, between the lines. Yeah, the dots, we can probably connect them and say... He's probably not going to play this year. You oh, know, that's yeah. probably worst case scenario. Or he plays like at the end of the year like he did last year because from the sounds of it, yeah. Thomas Fedoni has a major injury potentially with his knee. It hasn't came out. I'm not sure why it hasn't came out. Usually Scott Frost, he addresses season-ending injuries. He, when they asked him about Thomas Fedoni, yeah. he said that that was still getting evaluated. Mm -hmm. So to me... I don't know why, because we have enough sources, and the fact that he's not practicing, along with Travis Vokalek, this tight end room, let's just shift to that. Like, okay, yeah. so if Thomas Vedoni isn't available for the 2022 season, which we had all said, I mean, he's he was the number one tight end recruit in the country, Yep, uber talented, he looks the part, but apparently he can't stay healthy. So what does this do to the tight end room? Jared, I'll start with you. From what I'm hearing, Vokalek also isn't practicing. Correct. And of course, Fedoni out. I'm just going to assume the whole year. And Brewington, our boy. Chancellor, no block, no rock, Brewington is also not practicing. Yep. And yes, the caveat is it's not even April yet, and so maybe we shouldn't freak out. But coming into this year, we all thought that the tight end room was one of the unheralded strengths of this team. Mm -hmm. And now it's looking like, I mean, I don't even know who's who's up next. Nate Borkature. Borkature. So Nate Borkature, he's up next. And, you know, Scott Frost and his little pressers, I think he's trying to make the best of the situation, and he's saying, we're getting these guys reps. What else are you supposed to say? I yeah. mean, that's another point that Cavillac made. What are you supposed to say? Well, other guys are getting reps, so I guess that's a good thing. But seeing your top-end talent not be able to stay healthy and, you know, not play the whole year, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. So, yeah. My biggest takeaway from the injury stuff, okay, this, uh, this applies to the offensive line and the tight ends, and that's basically the main groups that we've heard so far is that all these young guys are getting reps during spring ball and everybody else is kind of like on the sideline, like taking mental reps. 
What is one thing that we have said consistently in Scott Frost's tenure is that the little things have hurt Nebraska. They shoot themselves in the foot. And what is one thing that we always say about Northwestern and Iowa and Wisconsin every year? Disappointing. They never do the little things wrong. They always have that stuff locked in and they play clean games, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're looking at this transition year with your offensive staff, what is the biggest takeaway when you're hearing that half the team is injured and not practicing in spring ball? You need every single minute possible to make sure you're cleaned up and squared away for the fall. And if you've got everybody is injured and sitting out, it's a little alarming. It's a little. It's something to be concerned about. Yeah, it's one thing to be on the sidelines and study your playbook, and it's another thing to actually be on the field taking physical reps and getting muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cliche, but muscle memory is important. Absolutely. And especially in a conference like the Big Ten, I feel like I feel like Iowa's practices are just. Same thing, same thing, same thing, over and over and yeah. over and over. And if you're not actually playing... Well, they run three plays. <laughs> right, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. And they managed to go to the Big Ten Championship game, yeah. which I would love Nebraska did. Kirk Ferentz so. is rocking a, a, a book of fucking Crayola plays, like there's yeah. six of them. Run I, left, run light. Yeah. <laughs> run left, run <laughs> Run heavy, run, run light. <laughs> run light. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great point because... Yeah, you could have. If you're not actually on the field and doing the things that you need to do, how how are you supposed to go in the heat of battle, in the middle of November, and you're fighting for a a, a spot in the championship game, which I hope we will, we are. Yeah, because it's unfair I'm, to expect that. Yeah, because assuming now that everyone is hopefully going to be healthy by the fall, now you've got limited practices before games start, and so like while everyone else. And I don't know the injury reports on every other Big Ten team or anything like that. But, but while everyone else has got their full squad working in the spring and in the fall, like getting everything buttoned up and, and you know, like in line, yeah, Nebraska is now plugging in people that didn't even touch a football in the spring. Well, and shifting back to that tight end room, you know, it's it's one of those things. We have nothing but inexperience there, and that's kind of what we're, we're saying. And But it's... It, it makes you think that Scott Frost is going to have to dip into the transfer portal, in my opinion. I mean, Travis Vokalek, experienced guy, but he's never played a full season at Nebraska. He hasn't played all the games. And I think he'll be a good leader, and hopefully he'll stay healthy when he gets healthy, I guess. But I don't think Nate Borkature and A.J. Rollins and James Carney, I just, these guys aren't ready yet. They don't have Big Ten frames yet. They don't know the playbook. I mean, we have a brand new staff in here. They're mm-hmm. just they're not ready. You need you need experience at that position. And I, I will say the offense looked the best last year. And I'm not saying we're running the same exact offense. We got a new OC, all that stuff, but some stuff's gonna be similar. Our offense looked the best last year when we had Austin Allen and Travis Volkleck on the field at the same time. Yep. When you have two six seven plus tight ends, because I think I think uh Travis Vokalek's like 6'6 six, six or something, right? So you got two giant monsters at tight end. It's just, it's mismatch central there. And to have those big tight ends, you can do loaded sets. They can block. They can go out for passes. They're mismatches for linebackers. They're mismatches for safeties. They just need to dip into the, the transfer portal, and they need to find somebody. There's going to be some experienced guys, especially after spring ball. Guys are going to see, oh, shit, I just got beat out by a freshman, or oh, shit, a sophomore just surpassed me. You're going to find guys with experience. 
We have that NIL stuff that we always talk about. Nebraska's a top NIL school. I think Casey Thompson will reiterate that point here. He did it with buzzing. So just one of those things. Like, we got to bring in another guy, in my opinion. And the Big Ten, like, I remember the Michigan game last year. A huge reason why they beat Nebraska were their little tight end delays that they ran on their third downs and they converted like four third downs from this tight end delay play that they kept running. And so I'm just thinking the Big Ten emphasizes tight ends. Iowa. Just about, just about more than anybody else. Yeah. Even the SEC. I mean, they have skilled players galore. But tight ends are especially important in the Big Ten. And A.J. Rollins, like you said, does not have the frame. He's he's a skinny guy. Yes. He, it is what it is. Like Carney, I don't know his exact you know demographics, but measurables, measurables, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. And so yes, I I'm a little worried. Even though it's not April yet, we need to have at least two strong tight end candidates that will hopefully bail out Casey Thompson from yeah. time to time. With the with the Big Ten emphasizing tight ends, like I just mentioned, you know, is Whipple a guy that needs his six seven tight ends? He maybe didn't need it at Pitt when the ACC probably in the not. ACC probably not right? right. So does he recognize that this is a dire situation and that I need to go in the portal and find somebody? I think he, or two. Here's my thing: he's an NFL guy, right? I mean, he was the quarterback coach or whatever for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, it, like, in the NFL, they utilize tight ends a lot, especially back when he was in the NFL. Like, you're talking, like, Heath Miller for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. I mean, you're talking a Hall of Fame tight end, okay? Like, yes, tight ends are involved in NFL systems. We have a NFL guy at offensive coordinator. So, I would think that it's, it's something that we need to focus on. So, we've, we've talked about various spring storylines we've talked about will smith putting on a jawan howard show (laughs) hashtag (laughs) hashtag jawan (laughs) yeah so guys we just want to re-emphasize to you to come to a 108th in harrison and lavissa nebraska come to the nebraska brewing company tap room we still have our no bach no rock beer on tap please come here get those get those kegs empty because we need more kegs, Connor. I'm looking at we you. We need more. Yes. And and odds are Connor will be here, and you guys should just enjoy looking at his mustache as much as we do sitting at this table. It's incredible. It's pretty. I'm complimenting myself. It's kind of cute. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, if you if you guys come in here, try the beer. Say that the podcast sent you. I mean, they might even let you take a picture of the tap handle, like our guy did this week. I mean. It, What's his name? Let's give him a shout out. You know, let's let's give Dave a shout out. Yeah. Mr. Thanks, Dave. Mr. Lawrence, straight from Papio South High School. He hey. is he's the the head soccer coach there for the for the guys. So, we got to give a shout out to Dave. Yeah, shout will, out to Dave. I will throw this offer down right now. If you come to the brewery and you say the podcast sent you and you find me, I will absolutely absolutely let you come back, take a picture with the tap, take a look at the brewery. Just just let us know the podcast sent you. I love it. I God, love it. What a deal. So you guys know where to find us. We're at nbnrpodcast.com. We're on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, 
iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know where to find us. We won't finish that spiel. You you go on Twitter at NBNR Podcast. We're posting more and more things. So follow us for great content. Like, subscribe, five-star review us, please. We need it. We need more attention. Speaking of great content, we do have a fresh logo. We got some fresh merch coming. I know you guys love that new intro. All things are new here at NBNR. We got some exciting stuff to announce for you guys. So just keep listening. Share with your friends. If you don't think they know about us, please tell them about us because we love it. Let's sign off, guys. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. Connor Cavillac. And Kyle Byers. And as always, GBR. GBR.